Okay, and so again, if you're with us and visiting, uh, we're glad that you've uh, chosen to stay uh, for our Bible class here this morning. We are studying the life of Christ. Uh, it's a uh, obviously we're going through uh, you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in chronological order. So it's going to be a study that's going to take us quite some time. And so we're doing it on Wednesdays and Sundays. And so uh, you know hopefully you can join us uh, for both of those. And we are in lesson number 26, which will be in accordance with Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 33 through 48. And we are still uh, continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually class number 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. And we've, we're just going to conclude with uh, Matthew chapter 5 here this morning. And of course, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So we still have some ways uh, to go. But uh, we're going to pick it up, pick up the pace a little bit here this morning. Uh, we have a quite a longer list of scripture to go through, about 16 verses, 15 or 16 verses. Uh, again, um, as Jesus is still focusing his thoughts on, you know, th- this, uh, this key verse in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 5, where he tells his disciples that uh, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, uh, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, uh, he's going through one thing after another with them uh, that, you know, they are trying to um, follow the law of Moses to the, to the letter of the law. And they really, they've sort of, uh, you know, again, uh, they were good at building these extra rules and regulations to God's law, uh, restricting the people from a lot of different things. And so Jesus is trying to get them to understand that, you know, the Pharisees, they're looking at the outward. They are focusing on, you know, they're just worried about keeping the law and trying to catch people who weren't following the law. And Jesus is trying to remind them that, uh, you know, it's about the heart. And we, a lot of these things, all of these things begin in the heart. And again, we noticed uh, he first began by telling us that in verse 21, uh, that, you know, you heard, you've been taught, you've heard that, uh, the, that your ancestors, the people of old, told you that you shall not commit murder. But then he says, but then I say to you, uh, everyone who commits murder or everyone who is angry with his brother is guilty of murder. Okay, and then, and then he went on from there and talked about uh, verse 26. Uh, and this is where we were last uh, Wednesday evening uh, where he said, you know, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Uh, but then I say to you, you know, everyone who looks at someone with lust for them in their hearts has already uh, committed adultery. Again, he's focusing in on their heart problem. You know, they're, they just, you know, they, they've received the, you know, the Ten Commandments and all the, uh, the laws, of the Old Testament that they were so familiar with. And they took that, that, that commandment, that seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and just focused in on the the, the act itself, and they really didn't, they weren't concentrating where God wanted them to concentrate, where, where Jesus is telling them that they need to concentrate. And that's, you know, it, it starts with the heart. And if uh, you've got uh, lust in your, in, your, in your mind, in your heart, then he says you've already committed adultery. Then he says in verse 31, whoever sends his wife away, uh, let him give her a certificate of, a certificate of do- divorce. You have heard that it was said. But then he says, but then I say to you, uh, everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, 
They're focusing in on the single act. And Jesus is trying to get through to them that, you know, again, these things start in the heart. Uh, in the beginning, he'll tell us when we get to Matthew chapter 19 that, um, you know, in the beginning, it was always his plan. One man and one woman for life. And that divorce was never a part of God's plan. Uh, but uh, he says there again, um, because of the hardness of your heart, because Moses permitted it, uh, you were practicing it. But again, that was never the intention. And so uh, as we continue on here, uh, we're going to f- finish with his, the last three of these statements that he makes. Again, verses 33 through 48 in this chapter. Again, we need to remember the context that you know, Jesus tells them that unless your uh, righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, really, these next three are going to be focusing in on how you and I treat others, how we treat others uh, in this life. Um, Is it easy to be nice to those who are unkind to us? You know, someone who might cut us off in traffic or uh, take that parking spot we wanted. Is, is Is it easy to do that? It's not, right? It's not easy, uh, but we're going to notice here in Jesus' uh, uh, words here that, you know, we as Christians need to be different. We need to go above and beyond uh, the call of duty, if you will, uh, in uh, our lives to promote uh, Jesus. And so let's, again, uh, we have a lot to cover here this morning with these, so let's uh, jump right in right away and looking uh, at verses 33 through 37. Jesus says here, again, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Okay, so Jesus is, basically what he's telling us here is that uh, treating others right involves telling the truth. Now, is Jesus uh, talking about, uh, as, we, as we use these terms, oaths and vows, uh, is he talking about you know, a civil vow, a civil oath uh, that maybe... Uh, we would have to go in front of a court and, and kind of, you know, testify under oath. Is that what Jesus is talking about? No, that's not what he's talking about. Yeah, Jimmy. I believe it is. Everybody tells me that I'm wrong, but that is my belief. I believe that, that I wouldn't be doing right to take an oath. Uh, but... Yes. It don't say that Jesus took oath. It says the high priest put said, "I put you under oath." That's what the King James Version says. Yeah. So yeah. So you're referring to the the, the packet, the, the the writer of that. Uh, what was that verse again? It was twenty three. Uh, twenty six. Oh, twenty six. Yeah, so uh, Matthew chapter 26, 
uh, verses 63 and 64, the, the author uh, was pointing out that, you know, as Jesus was before uh, Caiaphas, the, 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 the high priest at the time, uh, that uh, says, but Jesus kept silent and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God uh, that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, uh, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And so he was, yeah, so the, the author was making a point that he believed that Jesus was sort of in a, a civil type of setting, uh, that he was before, you know, a magistrate or a judge. And, you know, we, we you know, it, it's kind of, it's tough to tell, right? Because those, those, uh, those uh, trials that he went through, uh, they were sort of uh, sped up. They were sort of, they weren't real trials, uh, you know, uh, like, like we would think of somebody who, you know, is guilty or is innocent until proven guilty, you know, in our age, that's what we would, uh, you know, say. And these trials that Jesus went to, through, you know, he um, really never had a shot, did he? Uh, they were they're sort of sham mock trials, and so that's a good point that Jimmy brings up. Uh, if you were reading into the, that packet there, so um, let's go back to uh, our our, chap- our verses here again. Jesus says uh, again, he's got something to say. You have heard that you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Uh, but I say to you, make no oath at all. He says either by heaven or by the throne of God or by the earth or by the footstool of the feet or by Jerusalem or by the city of the great king. Again, you know, he, he really focuses in on his answer at the very end. Let your yes be yes or your no be no. Right? As Christians, uh, when we uh, are dealing with others, whether in the church or outside of the church, we should never have to say, uh, you know, I promise you or I swear to you that I'll do this or that or I'm going to give you my oath, right? Because that should be, uh, they should know by the life that we live that they would never have any sort of doubt like that as well or at all. Uh, we, need, we need to understand something about this, this culture, this time period. Uh, if we were to look back at some of these Old Testament scriptures, uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, uh, uh, Moses writes, you shall uh, not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. I wanted to read this one to you that uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23, starting in verse 21, uh, Moses wrote, when you make a vow to the Lord, your God, you shall not delay to pay it for it should be sin in you and the Lord, your God will surely require it of you. Uh, however, if you refrain from vowing, it will not be sin in you. Uh, you shall be careful to perform what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God uh, what you have promised. Here, here's, here's the bottom line that he's trying to get to them. Uh, the Jews went around um, you know, vowing, making oaths, uh, but they would never do it in God's name. Uh, they understood that there was something significant about God's name. They would never vow or make an oath or a promise in God's name, but they would make an oath or a vow or a promise 
towards things like Jesus said here in this passage. Uh, by heaven. You know, I swear by heaven, they might say, or, or by the throne of God, or by the city of Jerusalem. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 23. Notice uh, this is probably one of the more uh, familiar uh, vows uh, that they were um, used to giving in Matthew chapter 23, uh, starting in verse 16. Uh, this is the chapter where Jesus is saying, you know, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. And Matthew 23, starting in verse 16, he says, woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. All right, so uh, they had this uh, idea that uh, if they swore by the temple, you know, it was, it was okay for them to, you know, break, break their oath, break their, their promise. But if they swore by the gold of the temple, you know, that, that was a bigger deal, okay? So now you're obligated. You know, it's kind of saying, uh, you know, you might say, you know, somebody, you know, I'll promise to do this, but then uh, maybe in another instance, you'll say, you know, you know I pinky swear, you know, we sometimes say that, trying to give a little extra emphasis to it. Well, again, the, the Jews uh, did this as well. You know, I swear by the temple, uh, you know, that meant that, uh, you know, likely uh, they weren't under obligation if they couldn't fulfill the promise. But if they swore by the gold of the temple, now they are, uh, you know, now they're obligated. And so Jesus is denouncing their hypocrisy there. Uh, and uh, by those practices, right? Again, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to make oaths. You don't need to make vows uh, that you can't, you can't promise, right? You, you're not me, he says. Uh, again, look at what he said there in verse uh, 36. Uh, Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, right? Right? Uh, you can't do that. You can't turn a hair white or black, he says. Uh, that's something only I can do. And so don't, don't even consider it. Uh, again, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And that is, again, what uh, the Christian life should be like when we're dealing uh, with other people. We, as Jesus said, but I say to you, make no oath at all uh, by anything. Okay, so that's, that's the first part. Uh, as we move into the second part, he says in verses 38 through 42, uh, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, Go with him too. 
Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Okay, so now he's uh, dealing with how we, you know, how we, uh, retaliate's not the right word, but how we refuse to retaliate. You know, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. You know, you've heard of this, right? I mean, this is something uh, that's uh, throughout the old law. Uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, this principle, the law of retaliation that's often referred to. Does, on, the, on the outside of it, does that appear to be sort of a savage and cruel law? I mean, it does, doesn't it? When we first sort of you know, hear that, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you, know, if you poke my eye out, then I get to poke your eye out. Or if you knock a tooth out, one of mine, then I get to knock one of yours out. But really, uh, notice, it was actually uh, a law of mercy because um, you know, the purpose of it was to limit the infliction of you know, a retaliating uh, towards that individual. You know, it prevented you from exacting more punishment than they did, than they did to you. It prevented you, know, you going to get your buddies and say, hey, let, you know, this guy did me wrong, so let's go you know, get him. You know, you couldn't do that because the law said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So it was actually, it was a law of mercy. But again, the Jews, uh, as they often did, would take these verses and they would twist them uh, to uh, not see this verse as a verse of mercy, but as a verse of retaliation. Right. Uh, you know, you knock my tooth out, you know, I'm going to get you. You know, I, I'm going to get your tooth. And so that's what they turned that verse into. Uh, now, as uh, you know, as they made known in the uh, the information uh, in those packets that during the days of Jesus, you know, that eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, uh, didn't really literally play out. Uh, they literally, you know, didn't go and you know poke someone's eye out or take someone's tooth uh, if you did that to them. It was more of, hey, we go for we're going to go before the judge. You know, if he knocked my tooth out and, uh, you know, we'll sort of settle this monetarily, you know, a tooth is valued at such and such. And so uh, you were going to get reimbursed for the, the, the transaction or for the, whatever had happened to you in, in the past. But Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But here's his new teaching to them. But I say to you, don't resist an evil person. Whose business do the scriptures tell us is vengeance, to take vengeance? The Lord's, right. It, it, Romans uh, chapter 12 uh, specifically tells us that, you know, that, that's God's business, right, uh, to take vengeance. We don't need to worry about that. And he gives us in the, these verses that we just read five uh, specific examples of that. The first one he says, if someone slaps you, uh, turn the other cheek, Right. Again, uh, we need to understand the context of the, the culture uh, because uh, in this culture, to go up to somebody and sort of you know, back slap, uh, or backhand them in the face, slap them, uh, you know, that was an insult. It was degrading. It was demeaning. It was dishonoring. Uh, you didn't want that to happen to you. Matter of fact, they, they, they said that you would rather get punched in the face you know, and have a black eye than get you know, get smacked uh, or slapped, right? Because the slap, that was, that was the ultimate offense. 
And so Jesus says, if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek, right? Uh, uh, rather than retaliate, you know, stay humble, stay gentle, let them, you know, do it again. Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 20 that we just mentioned uh, here, uh, Paul wrote, you know, if, you're, if your enemy is hungry uh, or if you uh, feed him, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. And by doing so, you're, you're heaping burning coals uh, upon his head. Right? Uh, turn the other cheek. Now, now is, is Jesus saying that if someone comes to us and attacks us, that we are not allowed to defend ourselves? Right, no, that, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, I know, uh, especially uh, during the time uh, of the Civil War, you know, if you read a lot of the, um, the literature of, of our brethren, our preachers, a lot of them, uh, especially during that time, they, uh, they were pacifists. I'm not going to say that word right. Uh, they practiced uh, pacifism, right? that, uh, uh, that, that, you know, they would say something like uh, that verse would mean, you know, don't retaliate, don't go to war, uh, don't defend yourself. And there's even... Uh, you know, some there are some preachers who uh, even today will will preach on that topic uh, in that same uh, vein. But again, this is not uh, telling us that we cannot defend ourselves if someone comes and slaps us. Uh, but again, he's talking specifically about someone who is you know dishonoring you. You know that again, that's how they dishonored you. Uh, they came and slapped you, and uh, and Jesus says, "Turn the other cheek. Right? Uh, don't let it bug you. Just uh, let them." Uh, again, do that, uh, but stay humble, stay gentle. Then the second uh, example he gives is that if someone sues you and takes your shirt, give him your coat. Uh, to have clothing back then, was that a big deal? Yeah, and especially a coat or a tunic. You know, you might only own one of those, uh, if any at all. You know, clothing, you might have a couple of changes of clothes. And so this was a big deal and again, uh, we might not get the magnet, or we might not get the the degree to which Jesus is speaking, because you know we probably have more than a couple of changes of clothes at home, and we might own more than a couple of coats. But again, Jesus says, if someone is suing you, take your shirt or give him your shirt and give him uh, your coat also. Uh, it would be get it would be better, Jesus says, to give him your cloak in a lawsuit. Um, you know, again, this is something that you're going to need for protection. This is something you're going to need to stay out of the elements. But again, being a Christian is you're different from the world. And uh, you know, let him have it. If he wants that as part of his compensation, let him have it. It's better to just give that to him than to be bitter and resentful. Um, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is dealing with uh, lawsuits within the church, and he says, uh, you know, don't go uh, to court, brother and brother. Uh, you know, don't go to court. It's better to be defrauded than to go to court before unbelievers. You know, don't take our dirty laundry before the world and let them see it. But uh, you know, take care of it in house. But again, we live in you know a society that you know we're we're always worried about our rights. Right? We're always saying, well, it's my right for, to do this, my right to do that. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we see here Jesus, again, emphasizing the fact that if someone 
uh, wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. I think my favorite one is verse 41. Whoever forces you to go one mile, uh, go with him uh, too. Does anyone know what that is in reference to? I don't know if I've spoken on that before. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're living in Israel and of course the, the Romans are the government of the day. You know, they're providing the, the army, the protection. And so uh, you might be out in the field working uh, or, or maybe, you know, just, you know, walking from somewhere to another and a Roman soldier, if he sees you by law, he can stop you and compel you to carry his gear for up to one mile. And you had to do it. And so, the, of course, the, the Jewish people, you know, they hated that. They, they hated to get caught by one of these uh, Roman soldiers and have to stop what they're doing and, and carry, uh, you know, this soldier's gear one mile in a, in a direction. And so, you know, they would walk that one mile and then they would just drop the stuff there and go back. Uh, to do uh, their their business where they came. This is you remember in, uh, when Jesus was going to the cross and they compelled Simon of Cyrene uh, to bear the cross of Jesus. You know that's what's going on here. They uh, Jesus could not physically you know carry that cross, and so they compelled that man Simon to help carry his cross uh, for him. Well, you know the same idea. You know you're you're working. Uh, a Roman soldier compels you to take his gear uh, a mile in some direction. Uh, Jesus says in this verse, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. You know, by doing so, you know, you might have, uh, or what's the Roman soldier's attitude going to be when he sees that you're not stopping at one mile and maybe you're going to a second mile? Yeah, he might wonder, uh, you know, what what is it about this guy? You know, uh, why why are you treating me this way? You know, I'm compelling you, I'm forcing you to do this, and yet you're willing to go the extra mile. You're willing to go another mile, and so you know that's the influence that we as Christians can have on the world. You know, I, I saw this thing the other day. Um, I should have uh, put it up on the board because I thought it was pretty neat. But you know, how many of us uh, when we go to a shopping center? And we, you know, we have our, our cart or I don't know, they refer to them buggies in the south or, you know, the shopping cart. And you, you know, you load up your van. You know, how many of us might just, you know, like leave it right there and not return it to, you know, a cart? Is anyone willing to admit that they do that? Uh, no one? Oh, Dan, yeah. Okay. So one person willing to admit they just leave that right there. You know, we're not... Uh, I mean, there's no law that says that we have to return that cart back to uh, where we got it from, unless, I guess, unless you went to Aldi's and had to pay a quarter for uh, the cart. Uh, but, uh, you, know, that's, you know, that's what I think about when I think about this verse is, uh, you know, maybe if I am taking that shopping cart and walking it all the way to that cart corral and putting in there, you know, maybe uh, someone who sees that will say, hey, what's up with it? What's up with him? You know, because uh, everyone else is just, you know, leaving him by the side. I, this just kind of came to my mind here, but uh, the past couple of days, we've been in Louisville uh, for the Lads to Leaders. And, um, you know, we're staying, we were staying at this hotel, but of course, when you wanted to go eat, you had to walk 
a little bit of ways to go somewhere. And so when our group would go out to eat, uh, you know, and we'd come to a crosswalk and the, the, the light was red, you know, do not cross, we stayed right there. Do you think everybody else was staying right there? Everyone else was crossing on, the, on those red lights when it said stop, do not cross. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe if at least, you know, maybe one person sees this group uh, every time stopping, you know, for the, this red stop sign or whatever you call it, the red crosswalk and not crossing when they shouldn't be crossing, maybe that would get somebody's attention and say, you know, hey, what about that group? You know, why are they doing that? Nobody else is staying there. Again, uh, go the extra mile, Jesus says. The last two uh, that he noticed, or that he uh, tells us here in verse uh, 42, uh, give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And again, he, uh, he's no longer talking about mistreatments, uh, you know, physical mistreatments, but now he's talking about the obligation to the poor. Uh, you know, Jesus told us that the poor would be with us always. Is that what he said? And so, again, this is uh, some big teaching uh, that, you know, uh, he says, give to him who asks of you. You know, again, be ready to give, you know, Jesus says. And then the second half of the verse, he says, uh, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You know, um, they even, there's verses in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, that says if somebody uh, borrows from you, uh, you know, if a brother borrows from you, don't charge him interest. You know, uh, if he defaults on the maybe the, the loan that you give him uh, after seven years, uh, you were to, you know, completely forgive him again. Um, you know, Jesus isn't talking about, you know, someone coming to you and saying, hey, I got this great business idea. Can I borrow, you know, a million bucks? Right? And you're then obligated to, uh, you know, let him borrow that million dollars. No, that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. Uh, but he is saying, uh, be ready to give and to loan again, because uh, you know that is again how I want you to live as Christians. That's how I want you to be different. And I want to jump into this last section uh, before we we got about five minutes here uh, in verses forty three through forty seven, so that we can finish chapter five. Uh, here's the last one that Jesus says: "You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies." And pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Someone said that probably out of all the statements Jesus made, that this was the hardest one to make. Do you agree with that? To love your enemies? Pray for those who persecute you? One of my favorite Old Testament examples about this is in the second Samuel chapter 10, where David, King David, one of his enemies of one of the other nations, a man by the name of Nahash, he, he passes away. And so David shows kindness to his enemy, uh, this man who he's gone to war against, by sending a delegation of men 
to go and console Nahash's son, who's the new king, uh, a man by the name of Hanan, to console him over the death of his father. Now, you know, David had great intentions, right? Um, he was, I mean, this is an example of uh, loving your neighbor, showing love for your neighbor. But Hanan saw it uh, as a trap. Uh, he didn't accept uh, David's kindness. Uh, he thought that David was setting a trap, trying to spy out the land, and he didn't accept that. But again, uh, David was a man after God's own heart, right? And, and that's the kind of heart that we should have as well. You know, I love that example that David, uh, although he uh, was engaged in battle with this man, this nation, uh, he you know, sent a delegation of people to that country to console this man who had just lost uh, his father. Again, love your enemies and pray for those uh, who persecute you uh, so that you uh, may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Uh, Verse 45, uh, again, he causes his son, uh, not S-O-N, but S-U-N, he causes his son to rise on who? Uh, the evil and the good, right? We, they all partake of that blessing. And he sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So uh, as Jesus concludes this section about how we should treat one another, Again, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. As hard as that may be, that, that's the example that he has led uh, for us. And so we've, you know, we, we've come to the last verse here in Matthew chapter 5. This is one of my favorite verses uh, in all of Scripture. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, that Jesus said, Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can we be perfect? Well, I guess it depends on the sense of it. Because uh, when we read that verse, uh, we think of you know, our English word perfect being 100% correct or, or sinless. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, that's not what that word means in the original language. Jesus isn't saying be sinless or be, don't ever get anything wrong. But he is but this word means to be complete or to be mature. And so when we're called to be perfect, we're called to you know, continue that process of maturity to completeness. So therefore, uh, do all of these things he just told us. Control your anger, control your desires, uh, stay committed to your marriage vows, uh, do what you say and be a person of great integrity, do not retaliate, uh, do not withhold your supplies from others. Love your enemies, and therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, do these things, and you're going to rise to a level of maturity and completeness uh, that he would want us to uh, be. I think we are about out of time. I know that was a lot packed into that class, uh, but we, we got through Matthew chapter 5. Uh, on Wednesday evening, we'll start Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it's verses 1 through 4. Uh, we look at what Jesus has to say about our giving and how uh, we're not supposed to, you know, sort of be showboats about it. And so we'll start that um, Wednesday evening. But I appreciate your attendance, and I will go ahead and lead us in our closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time uh, thanking you for the opportunity to 
uh, have this time to study your word, Lord. We pray that as we've opened the scriptures, as we've seen what your word has to say of how you'd want us to treat others, Lord, we pray that we can apply these things into our lives, uh, that we can continue to um, meditate upon them, to ponder them, uh, think about these things as we go throughout our day and week so that we can uh, be your sons and to uh, draw closer to you each and every day. We, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And we thank you so much for the example that we have uh, in this life. Please be with us now as we depart from here. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.